The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Brutal Nation. Podcast series is dedicated to lesser known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one and the only Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. So how's your day going so far? So far, so good. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. I hate you, but it's all good. Why? You know what you do. Uh, no, I, I always see, and I don't that. like yeah, yeah, telling just... you why, because then you continue to do it. Just know that I hate you. You know why. Is it because your mom says that she loves me all the time? Pretty much. That's kind of what it is. <laughs> I'm actually having a good day today. She's looking forward to our little uh, trip to the Sausage Fest. Do you know when it is? I'm going to Google it. I know it's coming up. I hate you. <laughs> There's a Sausage Fest, and then... There's a sausage fest. The thing is, is I'm scared for you. The reason why I haven't invited you, invited you, because I love going. I think it's an awesome experience. Um, because I know you, and I know you can't keep your mouth shut. Oh, because it's at the Catholic Church it's, with the yeah, priest. It's yeah. a sausage festival at a Catholic church, and that's just a whole bunch of shit jokes for you. Okay, fine. Catholics have never molested kids. I'm not saying they ever. haven't. I'm just saying I don't want to go to jail. Say when they're and I'm pretty well known in that area. <laughs> when, when 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 we're talking church plus molestation, it comes up Catholic. Just saying. And yeah, everything comes up Pope. Everything points to the Pope. It does. Yeah. No, I mean. It's really weird, but yeah. Side note, I think I'm related to some of the distantly related to the founders of that little community I live in, but that's another story. You love me? No. Yeah, you do. Love your mom, though. You love me. You love me. You just don't want to say it. All I can think of is with your mom is motorboating. Fucking hate you. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead with your story. Dude, I'm going to throw the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> then I haven't really eaten anything today. A motorboat grad. Okay, so we're doing Jesse Pomeroy today. We're doing a kid. I don't do kids. <laughs> I'm not Catholic. Shut up. Um, but I do have a brief introduction, of course. Um, I recently discovered that the FBI defines the term serial killer as a series of two or more murders oh. committed using the same methods over time. Which, like you and I were talking about, that's like, you know, a prerequisite to get in law enforcement here in Oregon. And said, yeah, man, if you kill two people here in the Pacific Northwest. They hand you a badge. <laughs> yeah, they make you a cop. <laughs> even if you don't want to be a cop, but we get past the test, here you go, here's your badge. <laughs> yeah, and the murders must be separated with a cooling off period between each event, you know, because otherwise it's a spree killing. Right. You know. But still, oh, come on, man. If yeah. You're, if you're. You can't even label a serial killer, too. That's an underachiever is what that is. Yeah. So if we go by the FBI standards, we can make the following statement, and it's true. Jesse Pomeroy was the youngest serial killer in American history when he murdered two children in the South Boston area. Underachiever. I know, dude. Jesse, you should have got those numbers up. You should have had those numbers up. I'm disappointed in you, kid. You know what? I'm disappointed in your parents. Your parents didn't teach you a good work ethic. That's the problem. 
Little fucking loser. Dude. God damn you, Shut up, kiss dude. My fucking ass. <laughs> you underachiever. He is. You he's basic a, bitch. <laughs> he's a basic bitch underachiever, motherfucker. <laughs> You're so bad. You got to get those numbers up. I want to see 10 plus, man. 10 plus. So experts, though, have no doubt that if Jesse hadn't been caught when he was, he would have also been the most prolific serial killer in history. Well, yeah, from the brief things that you told me, I would agree. Yeah. They base this assumption on his history of terrorizing and brutally torturing other children around the neighborhood. Can't blame him for that. I want to do that to kids myself. Yeah. And Jesse left a trail of victims that suggests he enjoyed inflicting pain on those who are weaker than him. In other words, he took immense pleasure in playing with his quote unquote toys before he destroyed them. Hmm. Yeah. He was, I mean, he could technically fall under a fetish Friday. Kinky. That's how fucking weird this whole story was. I found some reports that suggest if evil had a face, that face would have been Jesse's. Um, He had many physical features that seemed abnormal in comparison. And I'll get into it a little bit later. But one of the features uh, was his right eye appeared to be void of an iris and pupil. That's my left. This is my right. It was clouded by a white film. So it resembled a white toy marble. Um, one author described it as being so hideous, others had a difficult time looking at it, including his father. His zombie eye, man. Yeah, his father looked at him with disgust. That kind of explains why he was out doing what he's doing, man. If, you, if yeah. your parents look at you from a young age going, you are garbage. Look at you, you freaking yeah. deformed little freak. And, that, and you know what? And that, that proves what I said. That's why he's an underachiever. His dad didn't teach him good work ethic because he was disgusted <laughs> by him. Yeah. So Jesse's mom blamed his eye condition on a contaminated smallpox vaccine. However, others say it was caused by a viral infection he contracted as an infant that had lasting consequences. Either way, his defective eye made him the target of school bullies. It was also the reason he reportedly received savage beatings at home. And I'll get into more of that later. Already a lot's making sense about Jesse. Yeah. When he was caught, his trial was a media sensation, mainly because of his age and the brutal nature of his murders. In the late 19th century, nobody knew what to call the boy who tortured many and murdered two. They asked themselves if he was just a rare anomaly, and they wanted to know the motivation driving the boy who appeared to kill for the sheer thrill and joy of it. Today, we know Jesse Pomeroy as America's youngest serial killer. Sweet. Yeah. You ready? Yep. Yeah. If, if you push your mic down just a tiny bit. Of course I can. Thank you. Better? Well, I, I'll tell you why, and then we'll get into it. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the wavelengths over here. Yeah. And like all last episode, it was on point. I mean, you had it right here at your chin. Right yeah. Where, so you're hitting that sweet spot. I kind of moved it to the side a They're little bit. When, freaking yeah. fantastic. And then I'm looking at it up. I'm all, oh, we're almost there. Not perfection. But now looking good like your mom and cat always outfit. fuck you um jesse harding Pomeroy was born on november 29th 1859 in charleston massachusetts his family lived in the chelsea area and his parents were lower middle class even by today's standards so in the beginning jesse lived with both of his parents thomas J. and ruth as well as an older brother uh charles who was two years older than him okay okay jesse's father was a civil war veteran and he worked at the Charleston Naval Yard. So Jesse would actually cut class sometimes and, and go to work with his dad and just sit there. They made belly buttons? No, dude. Navy. 
Well, you said navel. I'm thinking, like, yeah, I've as got a navel, and I thought mine came naturally. Shut but up. His mother was a stay-at-home mom dedicated to taking care of her children. However, when she divorced Thomas and took the children to live in South Boston, um, she continued to um, enable Jesse and his behavior. Uh, but she opened her own dress up dress, dress shop, and Charles started a paper route. And okay. Charles actually eventually gave up his paper route and opened a newspaper stand on the corner. <laughs> So he's kind of an entrepreneur for a second. See, I appreciate those yeah. two. You, you, you want to know what I like about those two? They're entrepreneurs. They're aiming for what they think is the stars. Jesse, see, you could take a good example. From oh, he brother. was aiming for the stars. He wanted to be the fucking person who killed the most people. Yeah, he, he had ambitions, dude. Okay, well, he was <laughs> ambitious about it. Yeah, I'm just disappointed dude, in his numbers, man. Yeah, two, no. Jesus yeah. Christ, man. So prior to the divorce, Thomas was actually <laughs> frequently seen with his fingers gripped tightly around the neck of a liquor bottle. I say that because they said he was a total alcoholic, like from night. I mean, from morning till he went to bed, he was drinking. All this is making sense when it comes to Jesse. Yeah. He was also a strict disciplinarian. Reports indicate he would often beat both boys, but Jesse was his preferred target. Um, Thomas claimed he was so repulsed by his youngest son's appearance, it fueled his anger. And to dole out punishments, Thomas preferred to use a horse whip or leather belt. And he, when he was whipping Jesse, he would force the kid to strip completely naked and, so that the boy would feel a maximum amount of pain on his bare skin. Kind of reminds me of my dad. Yeah, dude. Did your dad make you strip naked to beat you? Nope. He okay, just well, used then. belts and yeah, uh, anything that was handy. Boots. I got big yeah. boots, belt buckles, uh, bamboo back scratcher that he broke over my back. Uh, uh, yeah, I was beaten. I was whooped with a bamboo cane. My my stepdad though, because we had those cast iron pipes to oh, yeah. like gates in the barn. Yeah, yeah. To keep ca- he hit us with those before. Jeez. Yeah, Christ, we've been hit. Man. I mean, I'm surprised I still have teeth in my mouth, and I don't have brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> you don't? Okay. We're not going to go there. I get a, you know, I get a special subsidy for having you on the show. I bet you do because I'm disabled. Because you're drain damaged. I, I know, right? Well, I'm prone to Alzheimer's now too because of all the concussions. But whatever. <laughs> um, Jesse was young when he the first signs of his future violence began to show. As a matter of fact, the first recorded account happened when he was five years old. This was the first time someone witnessed his cruelty to animals. And by today's standards of society, that's an extremely young age. I can only imagine how society viewed it in 19th century. Well, no shit, because normally that yeah. doesn't come out until... Uh, oh, I get into it here. I get into it a little later. But yeah, it's around the time that a, a boy yeah. hits or a boy or girl hits puberty. Right. It's not so, as a fucking five-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get into some of the statistics later. But as I mentioned, he was five. When someone saw, a neighbor saw just how cruel he could be. He witnessed Jesse stab a cat to death and then just toss it in the river. Jesus. Like took the cat, stabbed it, and tossed it in the river. Um, During his trial, his mother talked about how he would often mutilate small animals. And when I read the reports on how Jesse abused the animals, I couldn't believe the enormity of his cruelty. I mean, Jeez. it was beyond what I've seen in some adult killers, Holy you know? fuck. Yeah. It was, um, I, I know that I can't judge the 19th century society by today's standards. However, from the accounts I read, there didn't seem to be a form of intervention for his behavior either. Well, there, there was, we, we've talked about the, the progression of psychology before. Mm-hmm. If we're talking like prior to like the 70s, 80s. Oh, yeah. On back. 
because the the 80s is when psychology really it lost a lot of its stigma about hey oh my god you're gonna go see a psychiatrist you know and mental illness in general too yeah right and uh we started getting advancements with different medications and right. different uh, methods of therapy. To I, yeah, because back then they were giving them lithium and shock treatment and lobotomies. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then there was hydrotherapy where they would lock them in, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, put them in water. Water and, and, hot and cold water, yeah. Yeah, and, and all kinds of fucked up things. And, you know, so the 80s was really an em- the immersion right. period of psychology when, when we learned that, hey, Things like positive reinforcement. Um, right. And they started acknowledging certain behaviors as certain mental, you know, things as, instead of saying, oh, you know, so-and-so's this or whatever. You right. Instead what of saying your kid's hyperactive and is misbehaving, yeah. they ask you, hey, this kid's got a fucking yeah. mental disorder. He's got ADD, ADHD. Yeah. We were uh, problem children. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was labeled a problem child. You still are a problem child. You want to know why? I love it. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. But, you know, and even with, like, post-traumatic stress disorder and stuff, it was always, I mean, when I was diagnosed with that, I'm like, no, dude, I'm not a, I'm not a soldier. I'm not in the military, you know, because it was shell shock. Right. You know, or uh, battle fatigue or, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, we've come a long way. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we're talking about in the 1800s, uh, there, there was nothing to say, hey, he's yeah. got sociopathic behaviors and tendencies and the root cause, because now we know. We, Psychopathic, we, we, pretty much, but, yeah. Um, we, we can track back most ailments uh mental mental issues to a root cause and that's what right. they talk about and now our, is, hindsight, our our vision is hindsight 2020 you know we're looking back on it whereas right. suppose they were dealing with and that that's why i'm saying like yeah. back then they didn't know that they couldn't say okay wait a minute why it's not that he's doing these actions that's 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 the problem what caused that problem right. and obviously got extreme abuse right. probably some neglect in there you got a lot of hate Right. You know, uh, you have mental and physical abuse, like I said, right. um, and a deformity that's causing all these other kids to kind of bully you and treat you like shit. Right. So now we can look back and say that, but then they, they, they didn't have that. They didn't have that information to go, right. let's find the root cause, deal with this on a, psycho- on a psychological level right. to help this child get past that. Right. And I kind of touch on it a little bit here but yeah i mean and it's true we like i said we're you know looking at it with you know right right 20 22nd century 21st century so right now i'm kind of glasses i feel a little bit sorry as much as i made fun of jesse because of his low numbers feel sorry for him because there's yeah we can obviously see the root cause now yeah because we know we can empathize with them because you and i both are abuse survivors right exactly so you know yeah but yeah terms terms of trying to find root cause back then was non-existent. Matter of fact, I don't even think there was really psychiatrists per se. Right. There are people who studied mental disorders. Yeah, there were the snake oil salesmen. You have the, hey, you take this right here yeah. and all your problems will go away. The sugar water. <laughs> yeah, sugar water. <laughs> yeah. So actually, Ruth seemed to enable Jesse's disturbing behavior in, in a way because she blamed everybody else. It was never his fault. She claimed that if his peers at school would stop bullying him and if his father would stop beating him, then he wouldn't act that way. See, and yet another thing to add yeah. to the reason why he turned out the way he did. Right, and it could have been, I mean, these things could have been a contributing factor, but it doesn't excuse his actions. No, no, I'm not trying to excuse his no, actions No, I'm just saying, his mom did, though. Right, you know? no, and that's what she, you can't enable 
people to continue with that. That's why we have prisons. Yeah. You know, for example, like if, if you rob a store, there's a disciplinary action to that. Oh, yeah. Pretty you rob much. a store, yeah. you get caught, you're going to go to prison. Dude, you speed, you get caught. Yeah, you, you speed. Get, there's, there's disciplinary action. And there's reasons for that. It's to yeah. correct a problem. Right. A bad behavior. Correct. Kids are the same way. Yeah. They have to be corrected. They, and, and there's a difference between punishing somebody by right. beating them and shit like that or disciplinary action. Which can be anything right. That's a from, big debate with me, yeah. Yeah, which can be anything from uh, talking to your child. Right. And saying, hey, dude, what you did, pretty fucked up. Yeah, or swatting their fucking ass. Yeah, or... A nice to get their sw- attention. Yeah, a nice little yeah. swat on the ass, not beating, but no. a nice swat. You know, and taking a fucking horse whip and a belt and beating the shit out of your kid. And then, and then... Fucking demeaning him by making him, him strip down. naked. Yeah, yeah, and then saying, you know, you, the way you look disgusts me. And, yeah, and what? There's a big fucking difference. Yeah, there. totally, yeah. totally. Then you get the mom I who's mean, enabling him to keep oh, yeah. on with his bullshit and blaming everybody else. So what's that teach a kid? That teaches him. Obviously, my mom says it's not my fault. Right. Pretty and much. And we trust exactly. our parents. We're supposed to. Yeah. So it's everybody else's fault. So whatever I do. Isn't my fault. Yeah. It's the people at yeah, school. It's exactly. The they made it's, me do it. Yeah. They yeah. made me do it. That's it's, that whole abusive cycle of abuse, too. It's like, you know, because mm-hmm. you and I have both seen people go, it's like, I wouldn't have hit her. She made me do it. No, you chose to do it. Right. I learned about that. Yeah. In, she in didn't your take your fist class. and hit it herself. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I tell everybody, man, nobody can make me do a fucking thing. Right. You can't make me hit you. You can't make me yell at you. I can choose to do that. Right, exactly. And the choice is way fucking different. Way different. Yeah. So we all know how cruel kids can be. I mean, even today. Um, Especially if a child has any disability or malformation. Um, Jesse's appearance made him the target of schoolyard bullies. And the newspaper newspapers actually focused on it. Um, on the different things that I'm going to get into here in a second during his trial. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, um, he had a larger than average head and large protruding ears. Okay. Oh, wow. Kind of like you. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I knew you were going to say you're such a dick. (laughs) I know. Well, hey, hello. (laughs) You've been mean to me all morning. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying not to get cock blocked. To take your mom out and show her a good time. I want to hear from our listeners. Should I let Scott date my mom? Say yes. Because <laughs> I've already got a couple of Catwoman Taking outfits. Taking a poll. I already sent you. Okay, fact, people need to realize links. my mom is 73 years old, very disabled. She can barely get around. and I will lift yeah. her into my truck. That's what you say. She can step on my back. It's cool. I got a strong enough back. Fuck You're going to do the hand thing? I will. <laughs> or I'll get her. I got a little step ladder I can bring. Yeah. No. Age dude. is just a number. Okay. And your mom's hot, and I've already got two cat women outfits. I fucking said, uh, hate you. I sent you links to him. I know you did, Same. and I still hate you. So he had an abnormally shaped mouth. Um, his upper lip was really thin. However, his mouth was not proportionate to his face. If you see his pictures, oh, he kind of looked like the Joker, like the wide mouth. See, I, I feel bad for this kid, because you're right. This kid sounds like he looks yeah. pretty fucked up. Right, and it was very wide, and it was drawn in at the corners. So people often use the word cruel. He had a cruel mouth. He never smiled. But then I wouldn't either if I thought, you know, I have I have a hard time smiling now because um, for a while, because of my calcium deficiency, I had a couple teeth missing in front. Right. So it's like to this day, even though I got my plate in now, I don't like to smile. 
I don't think he would smile a lot because every time. And I would always have my hand over my face, you know. I wouldn't smile if I was him because every time he turns around, either it's his dad whooping up on his ass or the other kids being fucking assholes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got into, um, you know, the milky white film on his eye was very uh, often. It was like a lot of attention was put on that. He's like a mongoloid. Kind of, yeah, but yeah, I hate to say it, but Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just had a lot of malformations. Um, So in October of 1871, right before he turned 12, Jesse had a bad case of pneumonia. Um, He got better, but his mother said after the illness, left him, quote unquote, not so well. Because that winter is when he started attacking the children, other children in the neighborhood. Yeah. I can't blame him. And let, let me tell you why before we even go on. Okay. Okay, there's a breaking point to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, okay, you've met my ex-wife, Maritza. I love her. She is like the sweetest woman on the yeah, planet. Yeah, I don't know why she's still friends with you. Because I'm awesome. But however, if <laughs> if I was beating her down all the time she's or patient. smacking her mm-hmm. around, and, you know, at, even, even she would have a breaking point. Oh, yeah. There's going to come a point where she's like, fuck this. Yeah. You know, and there, there there has to be something that happens to get some catharsis out of that. Right. Whether it's something extreme like, okay, that motherfucker's going to sleep. I'm going to shoot him. Right. Because I know some people, I know women in jail who are in there right now because they shot their husbands. Yeah. They get sick and tired of the bullshit. Yeah. Especially given the time that there's obviously there's no child protective services going to step in and say, hey, quit True. fucking with your mongoloid kid. Right? Or you know, there's no teachers obviously stepping into these kids going, hey, right. don't be a little fucking asshole. Quit bullying this dude because now right. there's anti-bullying laws. Oh, yeah. So I see why he started fucking with the kids around him. He is sick and tired of the bullshit. Well, and that's just it. I mean, a lot of the reports I read, and it's true. I mean, it happens to this day. He was picked on <laughs> by people, kids, and even adults who were bigger and stronger than him. Right. So he focused his hatred on people who were smaller and weaker than him. Uh-huh. So, I mean, but we see that today, too. Yeah. I, you know? I don't blame him. I don't condone it. Sorry. But I don't blame him. I had some... Who are you blowing over there? Uh, my keyboard. Kinky. Can you hear in a minute. What the fuck? No. <laughs> that is not what I meant. God damn. I have this little air blower for my computer. No, whatever. Keyboard. You stay the fuck over on your side of the goddamn desk, Dude. you sicko. You would fucking. You would. I'm going to call the cops. Tell me, Scotty, where the bad lady touched you? Show me on the doll. Where, <laughs> she touched my no nose. <laughs> she touched me in my no nose square. And then, then they're going to come and get you, ma'am. You're a Scotty molester. You can't do that. You're coming to jail. There you go. Then you can sit right next to fucking Jesse Pomeroy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, anyways, his first victim, known victim, um, was William Payne. He was a four-year-old <laughs> child. Um, he, when William was found, he was in an old cabin that had long been abandoned and Jesse had strung him up from the crossbeam and viciously beat him. And the little boy was barely clinging to life and unable to give the police a description of his attacker. So he was like hanging from this crossbeam and mm-hmm. Jesse had whooped his ass. Probably a okay. lot like what his fucking dad did to him. Yeah. So from that point, his attacks only got worse. Over time, he became bolder and more violent. His victims described him as a monster, and they said that he promised them extraordinary things. When he first approaches victims, he would either offer them a piece of candy or another treat to get the child to go with him to a secluded area. He would tell them, 
we're going to go see some soldiers, real soldier soldiers, or I'm going to take you to the circus. All yeah. he needs is a white panel band I was and say, to be that's like fucking older than twenty one. Yeah, that's what he needs. He, yeah, he, somebody buy this boy a fucking panel band, like <laughs> for real, man. Yeah, I see. I see where he's going with this. He was before his time. Yeah. So once they were away from the other people, Jesse found a way to tie them up before he beat them severely. Sometimes he would find a way to mutilate them as well. Um, and his victims were so traumatized that they were only able to give the police one solid description. Their attacker was a big teenager and he had brown hair. And none of them focused on his weird they, shape. They fucking didn't remember. Head. I mean, it's like they were so traumatized. They'd been beaten so badly. It's like. I would think that the milky know? eye and the fucked up head and the giant well, ears would stand out a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Well, we're going to get into something here in a minute. So the newspapers soon printed reports on the crimes that included a ve- that vague description of the attacker. Ruth read the articles. She knew immediately that Jesse was the one assaulting the victims. Oh, they didn't say anything about your fucked up ears, your goddamn yeah. mouth, and yeah. Joker smile, but I know this is you, you little fucker. Yeah, so instead of seeking help for him or turning him in, she moved, She chose to move, pack the boys up and move to South Boston. You look like you're fucking shocked. She's no, been enabling him. Yeah, she thought the change of scenery would change the way her child behaved. She just thought, you know... He's I'm not around so, these kids. You know, it's a new neighborhood, new children. He'll I'm be so, fine. I'm so thankful for modern psychology. Like, seriously. Me too. Me too. Because that way of thinking right there, yeah. like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. That's fucking ludicrous. Yeah, his attacks actually escalated to the point where he added sexual assault to the brutality of the beatings. Yeah. By late autumn of 1872, the parents in the Chelsea and South Boston area were panicked. They begged the police to take some sort of action. They would plead for the capture of the real-life boogeyman that was terrorizing their children. The authorities were at a loss trying to find the the elusive attacker. They wouldn't catch a break until mid-September. So he was doing this for over a year. Damn. He had gotten away with assaulting more than seven little boys before he attacked a five-year-old Robert Gold. See, that's a, this is why I'm shocked about it, though, because with all those deformities, mm-hmm. even if you're traumatized, you would think that at least one of the kids would have said, he looked fucked the fuck up. Yeah. He had a giant misformed head. His, you know, his lip was thin, but big on the bottom. Yeah. kind of looked like uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump. Oh, um, no, it didn't stick out. It was just wide. Oh, just wide. Okay, yeah. fine. He looked like the Joker from fucking Batman. He did Batman. look like the Joker he from had, fucking Batman. He had uh, ears the size of an elephant's because I saw it when they came to town with a circus, you yeah. know. And he had a milky eye because he looked like he was half blind, and he's fucking crazy. Right. Like something like uh, any of those things, any of those things, exactly. And, but yeah, nobody's saying like this dude looked really fucked well, up. And well, and that's the thing here. Um, he beat Robert Gold so bad and took out his knife and cut the kid's head. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ. The difference between this attack, though, is Robert, you know, little Robert, he gave the police information that pointed right to Jesse. He told them the large boy attacked him and he had a white eye that looked like a toy marble. Well, there you go. So they knew exactly something. who they were talking about. Well, you would think, yeah, I, I still wish he would have said something like, and he looked all fucked the hell up. Yeah. So a couple of days later, though, on September 21st of 1872, the police had Jesse come down to the station to question him. Um, they also arranged to have one of his other victims by the name of Joe Kennedy there as well. And the detectives hoped to get a positive ID, kind of like a lineup. Okay. Um, and once Jesse entered the room with the others, Joe quickly pointed at him and said, that's my attacker. 
And so he was arrested and tossed into jail. So. And yet the cops couldn't just look up around me and you couldn't tell, tell you know, you yeah. couldn't have said that he looks like a mongoloid, like straight out of a horror movie. You couldn't have said that, huh? They had to look forever, you little fucker. Yeah. Learn to describe things. Yeah. So when Jesse went to court on the assault charges, he was sentenced to serve time at the House of Reformation in Westboro, Massachusetts. At the time, he was to serve, and this is the quote, the entirety of his minority. Simply put, he was to remain in juvenile detention until he was 18. So he was a juvenile at this time, right? Oh, yeah. He was uh, like 11, was 12. Get the fuck out. Oh, yeah. When you said juvenile detention, I'm thinking like he's 15, 16. No. He was 11 and 12. Damn. Yeah. Jesse. You, yeah. You, you know what? You, I'm, I'm kind of proud right, of you. Right around his 12th birthday is when he started attacking people. So, uh, okay, I'm going to take back his, uh, his work ethic there because, yeah, he only killed two people. But he's whooping and, a yeah, lot well, of that, ass. That 11-month period from the time he turned, I mean, it was right before he turned 12 to right before he turned 13 that he attacked at least seven people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's trying hard. Yeah. He's, he's living for, he, he's living oh, yeah. the dream. Totally. Okay. Totally. So, um, and, but we do know from featuring Carl Panzram that these facilities were horrible places to be. They were known to break even the toughest of children. Yeah, including with molesting them. Oh, yeah. Which was, you know, yeah. child molestation, beating, breaking bones. Exactly. Starvation. But Jesse thrived the old, in a way that only a true psychopath could. Holy he fuck. was never singled out for any punishments or breaking the rules. And he also never saw the inside of a solitary confinement cell. He was never disciplined while he was there. Ever. Oh, fuck does that happen? Oh, because the kids are bigger than him. That and um, it's just, I don't know. It's really weird. It's like. No, 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 no. It makes sense. If most of the kids are bigger, right? True, true. And then you got the guards. True. You know, that are obviously bigger. You know that you're going to have the shit knocked out of you. But all of your life, you already had the shit knocked out of you. So, yeah, so you're acting differently. Yeah, you're like, yeah. um, I better get my bullshit under fucking control because I'm already fucked, okay? Mm-hmm. I look like a mongoloid, I got a marble eye, and I got yeah. a bad attitude, and I'm kind of a dick. Maybe for right now, I need to chill the fuck out. Oh, yeah. It Hold makes it. sense. It's survival. It's right. fucking survival. I would do the same thing. Right. i just blend into the fucking background. Yeah, well, um, Jesse's mom, the enabler. Um, as soon as his sentence was handed down, she swung into action. Instead of letting her son pay the consequences, she sought, a way, sought ways to bring him home. She continuously wrote letters to the courts, and all of the letters consisted of her pleading to have Jesse released. You know what? Throw her in prison, too. Like, yeah. seriously. Shut her so, fucking pie hole, throw her in prison, too. Yeah. She, in the beginning, she pointed out mistakes the police made during the investigation, basically <laughs> saying it was a botched investigation. Gotcha, gotcha. She then claimed that was ground she claimed that was grounds enough to overturn Jesse's sentence. But when it appeared that her son had shown improvement at the reform school, she added that to her pleas and she told them that his exemplary behavior record at the institute warranted giving him a second chance. That did the trick. Jesse was supposed to remain at the reform school for six years. He only spent roughly eighteen months there. Because he was a little angel. Yeah. Look at my little angel. He's doing so good. Oh, fuck. You know what? Kick her in the goddamn plot well, and throw her in a prison she cell She managed too. to get him released into her custody in early 1874, so before his 13th birthday. Here's my thought, okay? 
and I think this should hold true to the, to this day. If you're that kind of a 14th parent, birthday, excuse me, but yeah. and you're trying to get your kid released, I, I admire that. However, if your little crotch goblin is in your custody, like obviously Jesse is with her or was, and they keep doing bad shit, you should be just as liable. You should be. Hey, guess what? You didn't keep uh, you didn't keep control of your little curtain climber here, so you're going to prison too. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I don't care. We've got to put a shot collar around that little shithead. <laughs> which actually, we got an extra one. <laughs> I do. It works really well. I know. I've shocked myself. I'd with like that to so put much. it on you for our other show. No, I'm going to get you on one of those labor um, simulating machines too. The fuck is wrong with you? I, I, you know what? You torture me enough for other things. I want to torture you. You need Jesus. I kind of do. Yeah, you need Jesus. Yeah, you and my son both. You both are going to church next week. You gonna make me? Yes. You gonna drive me there? <laughs> I kick you I out of the truck. I just have to walk truck. across the street. Shut up. <laughs> That's Catholics, man. You don't want to go over there. That's well, true. You can't get. I, mean, I don't have. An, I don't have enough energy to get up and down like Catholics do in service. No shit. That's why I don't go to uh, my friends who have Catholic weddings. Yeah. Because. I don't want that much aerobics. No, dude, I went to a Catholic funeral one time when I was a teenager, and I'm like, dude, by the time they tell you to kneel, they're telling you to stand. Then they're telling you to sit. Yeah. Then kneel. Then stand. Then sit. It's like, dude. That's their weddings, too. <laughs> I, I get enough with sweating to the oldies. I don't need this shit. I've been to two Catholic weddings. They were the same thing, and it's like, I don't know, like 100 hours of fucking aerobics, you know, just to get to the main event. Yeah. And, and then they have the liturgy where you have to repeat shit back. And yeah. And the worst part is like after everything's done, they're okay, remember folks, there's a full stock bar at the reception <laughs> and plenty of food. You're like, fuck that. I need a nap. <laughs> Jesus I'd be Christ. like, give me the tequila bottle. I'm going. I'm like walking out of the damn, uh, ca- the cathedrals, taking off my goddamn clothes. Going, Whew. God damn. Whew. That was a good workout. Holy snow. I'll catch you guys there. I need a nap and a shower and some clean clothes because I was sweating like a motherfucker. Yeah. No. No. So, um, but then, you know, while reading the articles and reports regarding Jesse and his crimes, I found myself wondering if his mother ever felt any regret over pushing for his early release. I doubt it. Especially when you consider the fact Jesse had only been free for approximately one month before he returned to his old ways. Jesus And Christ. I said, well, I take that back. He didn't return to his old habits. He took him to the next level. Eh, goals, okay? man. Goals. Right. By the time Jesse returned to South Boston, his brother quit running his paper route. He was able to open his own corner newsstand. And when Jesse came home, he split his time between helping his mother at working at the store, the dress shop, and working for Charles at the newsstand. So he was working at the store when a little girl went missing. On March 18th, 1874, 10-year-old Katie Curran left her house in the morning because she wanted to say Katie Kirk. You know, Katie Curran. She wanted to go buy something. She happened to walk into Ruth's dress shop looking to purchase a notebook. Okay. Jesse was the only one in the store. So she said to him, she goes, can I get a notebook here? He, he told her he thought there might be some in the basement. And he asked her to follow him down there. Come to the basement with me, yeah. little girl. I've got candy. As soon as Jesse shut the door behind her, he grabbed her and sliced her throat with a pen knife. Holy fuck. After killing her, he hid her body under a pile of ash and debris in the corner. And Katie's remains wouldn't be discovered until after his arrest. Uh, well, despite- at least he thought it out. And yeah. you know what? You know what? He didn't use arsenic. True. So that kind of makes me a little bit happy right there. And yeah. he didn't just leave the body in situ, you know, like, like out in the open and all of that. He just fucking threw it up yeah. underneath the... 
Institute's not the word I was looking for, by the way, but he put it to where, you know, under yeah. ash and everything, so nobody's going to smell it. Yeah, ash Smart and debris. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm so, cool with that. despite when her body was found, despite the advanced stages of decomp, the medical examiner found quite a bit of evidence. He was able <laughs> to determine the extent of mutilation that Jesse had inflicted on the girl, and he could clearly see that the boy had decapitated her when he cut her throat. Holy shit. Yeah. With a pen knife? With a pen knife. That takes some force, man. Yeah, dude. So then Jesse only took five weeks to cool off before he found another victim on April 22nd, 1874. This kid is 1974, 73, 14. He had just turned 14. You mean 18, not 19. Yeah, that's what I meant. You know what I meant. So only 14 years old and doing this. Pretty much. With that short of a cooling off period. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Go Jesse. On April 22nd, 1874, he decided to attack and murder Horace Millen, a four-year-old boy from the area. That morning, little Horace was headed to the Baker's when Jesse spotted him. Horace hears a who? Huh? Horace hears a who? That's Horton. Horton. Horace. Yeah. The teenager approached the little boy and he struck up a conversation with him. With candy. Yeah. So as they talked, the two of them continued walking to the bakery. At the bakery, Horace went in and bought a little cake. I'm I'm assuming a cupcake. Um, And then he brought it outside and shared it with Jesse. After they ate the sweet nice treat, kid, man. Yeah, the older boy asked if he wanted to go look at the harbor. Okay? Horace agreed to go with him, and they began walking into the marshland near the bay. And as they were walking, a few people actually saw them together. Okay? Once Jesse found a secluded area, he grabbed Horace and cut his throat with a penknife, nearly decapitating him, too. However, he didn't stop there. With all of his pent-up rage, he stabbed the boy 18 times, and mutilated Horace's face by puncturing his eye, and then he attempted to remove the young boy's genitals with his knife. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ, man. Yeah. So... See, in my head, this guy's 20 years old, but... Uh, no, plus, but he's 14. 14. Fuck yeah. me. So Horace's bo- lifeless body was actually found <coughs> later that day by two brothers who had gone digging for clams. They wanted to go digging for clams, but they stumbled upon something way worse. This guy reminds me of Austin Sig. A little bit, yeah. Except that, you know, Sig only had the one victim. Right. Six son of a bitch. But Austin Sig would have had way more, if, you know. Oh, way. I yeah. think that he would he have been. He got paranoid and, you know, was like, they're going to cast me. I might as well turn myself in. I think Sig would have been seriously mm-hmm. the most. Pro- he would be killing today without a problem. Totally. Yeah. And uh, Craig Price. Don't even get me started on that piece of garbage. <laughs> but, I mean, you got to bring him up, too, because He's I garbage. bring him up a little later. But, um. Anyways, later the police and media claimed this was one, if not the most worst murder that ever occurred in Boston. Okay? Now, after Horace was killed, the public pressured the authorities to make an arrest. In response, they increased their efforts to catch whoever was responsible. Since Katie's body hadn't been found at that point, her case was only treated as a kidnapping because somebody reported they saw her get in a vehicle with a man. So... They didn't say white panel van, Scott. They just said a vehicle with an older man. Just thinking white panel van, actually. Has the, they had white panel vans back in the 1800s? It's, no. an, it's, a, it's the second oldest trade in the world, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Child abduction with free candy. Yeah. We pulled up on a covered wagon. Yeah. It was all white. The oldest trade is prostitution. Second one is child abduction. On the side of our covered wagon, it said free candy. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we got them. So when her parents asked the detectives to question Jesse because of his history... 
Uh, they did. They even searched the store, but they didn't find anything. After the search, Captain Henry Dyer assured them the boy wasn't involved. He actually thought the teenager had been reformed while he was at the House of Reformation. He told Katie's parents Jesse was living his life on the straight and narrow, and he was no longer harming others. Yeah, the captain did. Well, think of it this way. While he's a mongoloid and he's doing fucked up things, he's doing things smart. I, I appreciate a smart killer. Yeah. Just saying. At 13. 13, 14 years yeah, old. Yeah, 13, 14 years old. 12 when he started mutil- I mean, beating kids senseless. Right. I kind of admire that. Yeah. A little bit because we don't see a lot of. He was wealth. a very organized killer and, and attacker. Yes. That's what I like. That's and what I'm he, getting he at. He progressed through the stages of violence. I mean, although he did progress, he escalated quite severely with his killings. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. I mean, because even with serial killers later, I mean, in the 90s and shit, they, their first kill would happen and then their next kill wouldn't happen sometimes for another year. Right. It's 10 months to a year. Normally yeah. is what we see. Sometimes yeah. nine, but average yeah. 10 months to a year. I, I like him because he's organized. He's figuring out what he wants to do. He's following through. Yeah, and he knows how to approach his victims. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the good that I'm seeing in him right now. And had he not been a killer, he could have done great things. He could have probably done amazing things. Oh, shit, yeah. But um, Captain Dyer quickly changed his tune when Horace was murdered, though. The extent of the little boy's wounds was consistent with the way Jesse had attacked his earlier victims. Um my, my puffer's acting weird. Um, they weren't almost identical to the mutilation the teenager had used to torture other children, but he immediately went and picked Jesse up at Roost Dress Shop. When he arrived, Jesse had bloody clothes and there were scratches on his body. That's a good way to figure out who did it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, when the detectives had Jesse in the interrogation room, they went through his clothing items and it didn't take them long to locate his penknife. Um... In his pocket, and with the evidence of Jesse's bloody clothes, the scratches on his hands and arms, the pen knife, he still denied any involvement. Okay? Well, you have to be an idiot to say, like, it's not like uh, Hernandez and Martinez that we did earlier this week. Right. When they got caught, they said, yeah, well, you got us, man. I'd keep on killing yeah, people. Yeah, or Kearney, and... who walked in and turned himself in. Yeah, or you know, Kearney, your, you know. Your best friend. <laughs> don't pick on Pat. I, dude, I'm not picking on him. Pat. Pat, buddy, if you hear this, I love you. Just saying. <laughs> Don't condone what you did. But love I love you. you. <laughs> but I love you, buddy. So, um, so, where was I? So he continued to deny everything, when, even when they matched his muddy boots to the boot prints found near Horace's body. Okay? Then Dyer switched tactics. He took Jesse to the morgue and forced him to look at his young victim. Oh, okay. Even though he was denied legal representation... The 14-year-old finally broke down. He wasn't very much longer before he confessed to killing Horace. On April 24th, 1874, Jesse was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. However, they never questioned him about Katie, and he never volunteered the, the guilt regarding her disappearance at that time. Hey, okay? Doctor, I'm going to look at her. Right. So, Ruth, again, jumped to Jesse's defense. Of course. Yeah, she figured since she was able to get him out of the trouble the first time, she could do it again. She knew that the best way to go about keeping Jesse out of jail was to hire a good attorney. Ruth, there's a difference between beating the shit out of people and fucking murder, dumb twat. I'm telling you. 
Just telling you. So, um, unfortunately, she didn't have enough money saved up to cover the lawyer fees. To acquire the funds, she chose to sell, sell her dress shop. That was not good news for Jesse. The new owners of the shop wanted to clear everything out, especially in the basement <laughs> where Ruth had stored a bunch of items. As they were clearing out the space, they made a horrific discovery. Hidden in a corner deep in the basement was Katie's decomposing body. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. After they were uncovered, the police took Ruth and Charles into custody. Yeah. Although they did this more for their protection because the public was outraged than uh, any presumption of guilt. They just didn't let Jesse in on that part. When the authorities went to Jesse and told him about the arrest of his family, he promptly confessed to the murder. Because they said, how do we know they didn't do it? Okay, you know what? I appreciate that Jesse did that, too. Yeah. You know, instead of responsibility. Yeah. So taking the responsibility for it, unlike a lot of our killers. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, I, I appreciate that about him. Well, yeah, because he didn't want his family to go to jail for what he did. Right. So, yeah. you know, hey, decent, man. Decent. Yeah. So the trial was set to start one right after his 15th birthday. It was promising to be quite extensive. It was definitely sensationalized in the media. Reporters couldn't write stories fast enough for the, paper, for the papers to print them. Stories that tried to make sense of how someone so young could be so brutal. They asked, does he have a soul? Okay. Opening statements began December 9th, 1874. Both sides of the table had a, their own agenda. The defense made it clear they were going forward with a standard insanity strategy. They implored the jury to take all of their presented evidence and testimony into account and give Jesse a set prison term. They even had a doctor testify on the boy's behalf who claimed he was nothing if not insane. Okay? All right. The prosecutor, the Massachusetts Attorney General himself, (coughs) wasn't falling for it. His opening statement made it clear he wanted the jury to find Jesse guilty of first-degree murder. They called several witnesses to the stand, including a guy by the name of Dr. George Chout. Spelled C-H-O-A-T-E. I had to look up how to pronounce it. Um, I'll be changing my last name, man. Yeah, right? This doctor offered testimony that Jesse was not only completely sane, but he was also more than aware of his crimes he committed. Um, With the media sensation surrounding the trial and the spectacle it was sure to be, it didn't live up to the hype. As a matter of fact, closing arguments were delivered on December 10th, one day later. Holy shit. Yeah. So during those arguments, the attorney general offered the jury another option. In the event they didn't think Jesse was guilty of first-degree murder, he asked them to consider him guilty of murder with extreme atrocity, which was essentially first-degree murder without the element of premeditation. Okay. Okay, but this was all premeditated. Pretty much. Except, well, I mean, he okay, didn't no. premeditate who his victims were going to be, no, but I think he wait, premeditated wait, re- what he was going to do. I'm going to recant that because, so... Horace was premeditated. Pretty much, yeah. But the little girl wasn't. I think That's, she was just a victim of opportunity. Yeah, that was yeah. totally a victim of, like, you know, she, hey, I'm here by myself. I'm going to fucking kill this girl. She just walked in. Yeah. But Horace, that's definitely some premeditation yeah, going on there. Yeah, he saw the little there. boy. Yeah. New. New. Okay, so um, let's see here. Uh, Jesse's attorney reiterated his belief that the boy was not in stable state of mind at the time he committed the murders. And if he was guilty of anything, it was insanity. Um, I couldn't find out how long the jury deliberated, but when they returned their verdict, it was obvious they weren't buying the claims of the defense. They found him guilty of first-degree murder. However, 
they wanted to offer Jesse some leniency to, a, to his young age. So they suggested life in prison. The judge said, fuck that. <laughs> Seems he was set on seeing Jesse hang for the murders he committed. Good However, judge. Yeah, when it came time for the governor, William Gaston, to sign the death warrant and set a date for execution, he refused to. He couldn't bring himself to order a 15-year-old to die on the gallows. Should have made him go look at that fucking body. Right? Since he didn't have the legal authority to commute Jesse's sentence himself, he submitted the case to the Massachusetts Governor's Council so they could make this decision because they were the only governing body at the time that could spare the child's life. In 18 months, this nine-man council put the issue up to vote three different times. The first two times, the council voted anonymously, unanimously to uphold Jesse's execution. Each of those times, Governor Gaston said, nope, vote again. Um, when it went up to vote the third time, Gaston was out of office and Alexander Price was the governor. And it came back to, you know, commute a sentence. <laughs> so there were, but there were conditions on the commutation. Um, in exchange for commuting Jesse's sentence to life in prison, the council mandated that he serve that time in solitary confinement. He was never to be housed with other inmates in general population. And on September 7th, 1876, he was transferred to the Massachusetts State Prison, where he was to live out the rest of his life in a single man cell. Damn. Yeah. So, but Jesse had a great prison life. <laughs> I'm not going to say great, but check this out. Um, he had a lot of time on his hands, right? So some wondered how he filled his days. If he's to believe, be believed, he claims he taught himself how to read several languages, including Hebrew. And there might actually be truth to this claim, because according to one psychiatrist who saw him several years later, Jesse was able to read German with considerable accuracy. Wow. He wrote an autobiography, which I have that I'm getting. I mean, I downloaded it so I could read it. And he wrote like poetry and shit. Holy shit. Yeah. Nice. He spent, I, he spent a lot of his time writing poetry. He even tried to get some of his writings published, but prison officials refused to do it. And he argued the issue with them claiming it was within his rights to have his writings published. But I don't think he ever won the arguments because they weren't published till years after he died. Okay. So when he wasn't learning a new language or writing poetry, Jesse studied various law books. He wrote numerous documents in an effort to challenge his conviction, and he wrote several letters requesting to be pardoned. Some reports indicate Jesse was also a keen investor in the stock market. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Told you he could do great things. Right. And he wasn't such an <laughs> asshole. Dude, check this out. You would think all that would be enough to keep him busy, but no. He found time to pursue one more activity. While he was confined in his solitary cell, it's reported that he made at least 10 Valiant efforts to break out of prison. During routine shakedowns, prison officials found contraband material in his cell, all of which could be used in an escape attempt. The warden's reports recorded the contraband that was found on him were uh, sections of rope and steel pens that he could use, you know. And one, on one occasion, Jesse was found to be concealing a drill on his person. Oh, fuck, you get that when you're in solitary Well, it's not a power drill, but, you know. But still, man. Yeah, I don't know. People have a way. Dude, in prison, you find a you way. You can't be around <laughs> other people. How the fuck are you getting a drill? Look, look, he's got a drill, a drill press, a saw, a lathe. Somebody gave him a cake with a file in it. <laughs> Dude's by yeah. himself. How the fuck you get things in there by yourself? Yeah, well, there was even a report about his nearly successful attempt. 
This attempt required him to work in stages. First, he managed to reroute the gas pipes leading to a cell. Once that was done, he had to figure out a way to trigger an explosion. He figured it all he figured all it would take was one well-placed blast to break through the prison walls. It was a good plan that nearly worked. However, it also seems that Jesse miscalculated the blast or he forgot to take cover. Either way, he wound up losing his eye in the process. The, the bad eye? I think so. I said, <laughs> I'm assuming it was his bad eye since he continued to write poetry and draft documents. Yeah, so not, not a big loss. He yeah. just hey, he yeah. didn't really lose it. It's not <laughs> like he had it in the first place. So, so one psychiatric report was written about Jesse in 1914 and quoted almost verbatim in the Boston Globe after Jesse died that talked about his many escape attempts. The psychiatrist noted he showed the greatest ingenuity and a persistence which is unprecedented in the history of the prison when it came to all of his ideas to break out. Yeah. I mean, I, he sure took a lesson from Carl, though, because Carl was very successful. Well, except for that one time. Yeah, we jumped off the 30-foot fucking wall. Well, fell, yeah. Busted himself up. Yeah. So, in 1917, Jesse managed to get the support of the district attorney, and they got Jesse's sentence commuted one last time. This commutation allowed him to the same privileges as other inmates, and Jesse wanted a full pardon. So, initially, he refused to accept the terms of the commutation order. He goes, if I can't get out, I'm not coming out of my, con- my solitary confinement. So, I'm staying in my room. Yeah. You'll never get me out of here. Unlock your door, you little bastard. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't make me. You're not my real dad. <laughs> You're not my mommy. <laughs> You're not my mommy. Yeah. You in, go away. In 1929, after being incarcerated in the state prison for 53 years, Jesse's health began to fail. So the decision was made to transfer him to the Bridgewater Hospital for the Criminally Insane. All the reports I read said that when they went to his cell and told him he was being taken out of the prison, he freaked the fuck out. He panicked and refused to come out of his cell. They had yeah. to force him. He had been in there for what, like 50 years or something Yeah, like 53 years he had been incarcerated. Yeah. In, in, in a cell by 41 himself? 41 in, in solitary, yes. So, yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't either, man. That's behavioral conditioning. Yeah. But when Jesse got to the hospital, he died three years later of a heart attack right before his 73rd birthday. Now, at the time of his death, law enforcement agencies had no term for the type of crimes Jesse had committed. They didn't know what a serial killer was. Nurture. I'm not even close. (laughs) I do that just to piss you off. So back then, they were referred to as sequential murders. When he, well, at the time of his death, they finally had a term. They called them sequential murders. Now, mind you, Jesse only killed two of his victims, which qualifies him as a serial killer with the FBI. You okay? Oh, however, it falls short of the standard number most professionals use defining the term. Despite the debate on whether or not he was truly a serial killer by definition, there is one thing we can agree on. All of the crimes follow the pathology of a hallmark serial killer, serial killer that the American Psychological Association takes into consideration. Not the hallmark channel. Shut up. They all follow a distinct pattern in the selection of victims, location, and method. To this day, no other individual has claimed the infamous title of youngest serial killer in American history. There was one person who came close, and that was Craig Price. In 1987, when Price murdered his first victim, he was only 13. However, he was 15 when he killed his last, which made him older than Jesse. Um, In the 72 years... That Jesse was alive, he spent 59 of them as ward of the state. 
That includes time spent in both prison and reform school. And of those 59 years, he spent 41 in solitary. Dude. That means that by the time Jesse died, he had spent 82% of his life incarcerated in one facility or another. He spent 57% of his life and 70% of his incarceration in a solitary cell. Um, This gave Jesse the distinction of being America's longest held prisoner until 1963. And it also made him America's longest held inmate in solitary confinement. And he maintained that honor until 1959 when Robert Stroud, the Birdman of Alcatraz, marked 42 years in isolation. However, side note, um, Richard Honeck was 20 when he was sentenced to life in prison in 1899. And he was paroled after 64 years. But... There's a guy by the name of Francis Clifford Smith who went to jail for murder in 1950 and his death sentence was commuted to life and he's still incarcerated to this day and he's been in prison for 71 years already. Holy shit. I know, dude. 71 years and 133 days. I'm trying to get rid of this cramp that's in my leg. That's I know, why so I you're eating up. a banana. Eating a nanner. Eating a nanner. Okay, so now my final thoughts. We've covered a couple of killer kids. Some of them committed horrendous crimes. However, I never thought we'd see something like this. A child who employed a killing method that rivaled a grown-ass man. And starting so early. Yeah, a boy who started so... That's my thing right there. Future violence from the time he was barely out of diapers. An adolescent whose path of escalation had an astronomical trajectory. One is only left running what his body count would have been if he, had, if he was old enough to vote. Mm-hmm. Okay? Here's what we do know. The late 20th century saw a slew of serial killings dominate the headlines. Even then, Jesse's case stood out for its unique nature. He started to display his psychopathy as a preschooler. So I did a little research. Children who experience trauma in their preschool years will typically display the psychopathic traits between the ages of 10 and 12. Yeah, that makes sense. Some as early as 9 and as late as 14 or 15. And I dug deep and found one case of a six-year-old subject. However, I was only to find the one. Okay, yeah. You it, know, it is very rare. Very rare. We researched serial killers for fuck's sakes. I know, right? And we also know that Jesse committed the most heinous of his many crimes after he was 13. After decades of incarceration, he never once expressed remorse for his actions. <laughs> and all of the letters he wrote, court appeals he drafted, and poetry he composed, he always maintained his innocence. Although he is admitted to committing the crimes, he says that he had absolutely no control over his actions. <clears throat> and he often mentioned that prior to committing each of the attacks, he would get blinding headaches, a headache so severe that he felt the only way to make it go away was to harm someone else. That makes no motherfucking yeah. sense at all. So, questions. Nurture. Really? I think nature had a lot to do with it, too. I'm going to go nurture. I mean, okay, think about it. Dad's beating the shit out of you. True. Every day. And he's literally telling you, I hate you because of the way that you look. Right. You are garbage. And I'm an alcoholic. You disgust me. Yeah, you disgust me. So I'm going to drink and I'm going to beat the shit out of you all the time. You're my favorite whipping boy. Okay. Then you have the neighborhood kids who are treating you like shit too. Then you have mom who's enabling you. You know, all that together... It's nurtured because not only are you getting the violent aspect of your dad, you know, uh, you want to attack people because it empowers you. Right. 
That's only obvious in his actions. Well, yeah, because when he was five, he attacked animals because, you right. know. Those well, were weaker than And him. then later on in life, Mommy is sitting there going, oh, it's not your fault, Jesse. Mm-hmm. It's everybody else's. They so, would stop treating you so horribly, you'd be fine. Yeah. Instead of sitting there going, dude, you're a fucking little shithead. Knock it the fuck off. Or you know how your dad beat you? I'm going to do the same fucking thing. Knock it off. Yeah. So do you think if she would have tried to give him, get him some help, do you think it would have made a difference at all? If there was help to be had, yes. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I'm just, I mean. Because, sorry, so I'm chewing on another banana. This fucking thing in my leg hurts. But um, therapy helps out a lot. And so does medication. So if, if we had the same implements that we have today, mm-hmm. back then, being therapy. There we go. Therapy and medication. Tighten it. That's <laughs> what I am doing, God damn it. I already done it. There we go. Um. You know, all the things that we have today, if we had those back then, yeah, I think it would I, I think it would have made a world of difference. He may have still maybe gotten into a lot of fights. Right. But, uh, you know. And they're, they're, He'd have a way to, you know, process his anger. Right. And it, it's teaching a new skill set. Right. For example, and I, I said I use myself as a guinea pig all the time. Prior to anger management, I didn't have the skill set. To take care of my anger issues. So I would fight a lot. Right. You know, and since anger management, I've got the skill set to where I don't need to fight a lot to get a one-on-one out of life. Right. And B, to make myself feel better. Right. And to deal with my own internal struggles. Right. But back then, they didn't fucking have that. That's true. So here's a kid who's having the shit knocked out of him. True. And not only that, but being berated. Mm-hmm. You know, by his own dad. And then the kids out there and the other adults out there are treating him because he's got like a pumpkin head and a fucking marble eye, you know, and giant ears like Mickey Mouse. So, you know, he wants to feel that that rate of empowerment, too. He wants to feel empowered. You're over there laughing because I called him Mickey Mouse. Huh? Yeah, from now on, when you call me, I'm going to go M-I-C-K-E-Y-S-C-O-T-T-Y. F-U-C-K-U. You know what I was also thinking? Because, you know, you're standing up now, is you look really hillbilly. In my flannel shirt and my blue jeans? your flannel shirt and your blue jeans. Uh-huh. You have a wife beater on under that? No, just my sexy chest hair. Did not need to see it. But yeah. Yeah. Anywho, so um, I don't really have to ask you if you thought his mom was an enabler or loving protector <laughs> child. You, um, shouldn't even, you shouldn't even put that on there because it's only fucking obvious. I know, right? Do you think that his mother working so hard to get him released from the reform school impacted the escalation of his actions? Shit, yeah. Because if mommy can get me out of this one, she can get me out of the next one, too. Right. Yeah. That's, I say she should have been hung. So, do you think he would have continued if he hadn't been caught? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, if he had been released from prison at any point, do you think he would have started killing again? Yep. Oh, okay. Because he wants to feel that rate of empowerment. He's never felt... Okay. You're getting beat down all the time, right? Right, right, right. So you're not empowered to do anything. Right. So in order to feel that good feeling of like you're empowered, like you're in charge, you pick on things that are less than you. Right. And he was in solitary confinement, so he couldn't even take his rage out on inmates that were weaker than him like Pandrum did. Right. You know, he didn't have that opportunity. Right. He can't rape anybody. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So... um, Kind of answered that question. So should Governor Gaston have signed the death warrant and allowed Jesse to be executed for his crimes? 
Or should... Yes and no. Let me explain why. Okay, go ahead. Okay, putting someone to death sounds like it's a horrible thing, right? Worst right. thing? Wor- worst option ever, right? Right. And he was only 15. Yeah, that sounds terrible. But consider what it's like to live by yourself in a little one-man cell. And it's only you for company. And it's only you and your thoughts. That has got to be way worse than the death penalty. Yeah. Way worse. Well, because when we feature Pan's Ram, that's like the turning point in his life that made him go from just assaulting and robbing to murder. Was that all that time he spent in solitary? Yeah, exactly. And he only spent, what, two and a half years? Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, Jesse Palmer might hold the distinction of being the youngest serial killer in America. He may have also been a... It's called a cause celebre, um, considering the media attention and the ongoing psychological debates. Okay. Okay. Because it's just a, you know, cause celebre is just a, you know, controversial thing. Um, I thought you were going to say nacho libre yeah. with Jack Black. Cause celebre. So, however, people today have to deliberately search for the information before they know anything about him. Right. Okay. I'd venture to say that you could do a random poll on the streets of America and there'll be one common theme. The majority of people have probably never heard the name Jesse Pomeroy, let alone what he had done centuries ago. What a shocker since we feature lesser known serial killers. Yeah. However, I think that psychologists today would be remiss if they didn't study his case files it might just help them deal with their own patients more effectively. Right, because there's so much going on with this. I've, I've mentioned a few yeah. times the, the, the beatings and the, and the... You have physical and emotional abuse, mental abuse. <clears throat> you also have physical deformities. Right. You know, and... Uh, so, like, in today's society, if somebody truly has some severe deformities, like... Um, you know, they got downs or whatever. Well, and like the elephant man and the guy who was featured in the mask, that true story about the right. mask. Right. Yeah. Well, if you make fun of them, like even your fucked up friends would be like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? you you're, true. you're a fucking That's piece true. of garbage. But, you know, if, if somebody just has like giant ears or a huge nose or those women who have those big asses, like they have a small top, but their ass is like a ginormous. Dude, I've always wanted a big ass. I want, I don't, I have a back with a crack. So give me some credit. I kind of, I kind of envy Kim Kardashian in her bubble butt. Ew. I just don't. I'm sorry. I have a back with a crack. I have no ass. But if you, if you <laughs> just have like some small deformity, like like I said, big ears or big nose right. or whatever, you know, people will make fun of you. And right. you're, even your friends, are like, yeah, man. God damn, look at that nose, man. That's like a snuffleupagus going on. Right, right. But this dude's severely fucked up. Right. So even your fucked up friends would sit there and probably smack you in the head and go, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Right. Well, I have a friend who started developing very young. She was like eight when she started getting like double D's. And people made fun of her. God damn. Yeah. She, I mean, ginormous. How old is she now? Um, I'm 46, 48, 49, 50, somewhere Ooh. around there. Will she double date me with your mom? I fucking hate you. What? Kill two birds with one stone. Plenty of titty to go around. That's all I'm saying. Dude, I hate you. (laughs) But yeah, so, I mean, I just, there's just different things about his case that really, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. Right. I I, I think that if it happened here in modern times that there would have been, number one, first and foremost, if we're we're talking modern times uh, uh, as opposed to when he was in, a number one. CPS would have come out. 
Dude's dad would have gone to jail. He would have had to go to a drug and alcohol program. There would have been a lot of counseling involved. Right. There would have been a a, a, a restraining order uh, oh, yeah, totally. involved. You know, no contact order. The whole shot to protect the child. The whole shebang. Yeah. And he would be forced to get treatment whether he wanted it or not. Right. And they would have put Jesse in counseling himself. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, with, with yeah. the counseling. So he would, you know, that way there the, the psychiatrist or psychologist can kind of identify his problems. Like I said, get to the root cause of the problem because you, you have the problem. I, I, as I said before, the problem is he's beating the shit out of people, tying them up, torturing them, and eventually kill people. That's, that's the problem itself. Right, right, but right. every problem has a root cause. Right. You know, whether it's... Uh, the chemical reactions in, in a person's brain mm-hmm. um, or it's something that is external, like like in Jesse's case, his dad beat the fuck out of him right. and said, hey, I hate you because of the way that you look. You disgust me. That's a root cause. Right. So you treat that. And today, today Jesse, what his psychiatrist or psychologist would have treated that mm-hmm. problem right there. Mm-hmm. To help him get past that and while teaching him life skills. Right, to process his anger as a Right, point. going, yeah. hey, look, I know that, that you want to lash out because that's how you feel better. Let's find something else you can do. Maybe uh, some people work out a lot. I'm not one of those. Um, you know. When high school, I did a lot. I did in high school, but not now, man. Yeah. So I'm fat as fuck. I fucking was... I, I mean, I ran a mile every day and lifted weights like nobody's business. Um, some other people, you know, they, they, they cook. Or they clean. True. Or they build Cleaning a car. Yeah. Or they shop. Or they shop. They're, 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 there's yeah. ways, you know, there's ways that a that a psychiatrist um, or counselor can help you get through that. But right. like I said, back then, what options did he have? True. Well, and I will give you some to support your uh, theory that it was nurture because I read a report an article in the Italian Journal of Pediatrics that was printed there. Mama Italiana. Yeah, and this very extensive article discussed the correlation between childhood events and adolescent psychopathy. Um, he said for this, these writers said, for instance, children between the ages of three and four who experience parental harshness, parent harshness or corporal punishment, which he did. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, parental psychological aggression or inconsistency, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, poor parental supervision, which was obvious. That's obvious, yeah. And poor parent-child communication, obvious. Yeah, he he ticks off the whole fucking list, man. So, however, though, the preschoolers in the study who had these traumas did not show significant traits until they were 10 or 12. Right. So, I mean, for him to show them at the age of five? Actually, it's a long-going study with that. So, if if you're talking childhood development, and i got to go way back to the textbooks, Keep in mind, folks, that I've been out of college for better than 30 fucking years. Um, well, no, not that long, because graduating was so almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, so a child learns the, the maximum, like the most that they can learn, believe it or not, in the first six months of their life. Right. That's when they're absorbing all this information, because you're coming out as a blank slate, man. Right. All you know is that you're hungry. That maybe your diaper's uncomfortable because you just fill it with urine or, or poop. Right. That you have an air bubble, you need to be burped. Right. Basic, basic, basic animal needs. True. Everything that happens from the time that they are born to about six months old mm-hmm. is the programming of the people around that child. This is true. So if you got parents that are yelling at each other all the time, 
every animal wants to fit into its environment for survival. True. Whether we're talking human beings or we're talking lions or we're talking mice. True. Doesn't matter. That's consistent across the fucking board. Because if you can't fit in with your environment, what happens to that animal? It dies. Right. It gets eaten up or it gets destroyed or it freezes or starves to death. True. So if you, if you have parents that are screaming at each other and there's just tension in the air, the first thing that you're learning is in order to survive, I need to have this action. Right. I need to be able to scream. I need to be maybe on the violent side, things like that. Right. Right. Um, as opposed to where if you have very nurturing parents... Right. You're, that's what you're okay. In order for me to survive in this in this environment, I need to develop nurturing feelings. Right. Uh, I need to develop the this skill set because this is what's being shown to me. This is normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jesse's case, when it comes to the inconsistency part, you hit it on the head because if you have an alcoholic dad, obviously he didn't just start drinking when he, when Jesse got his eye all fucked up. Right. I think that's a long... Well, yeah, he's a Civil War veteran. I'm sure that, you know, he saw horrific things. Oh, he was out there in the Civil War going, excuse me, can I get a mineral water and uh, just maybe a little bit of a pasta salad? I'm doing a little bit of low carb right now, okay? (laughs) I'm on a keto, on a keto. I'm doing some keto, but I really want some pasta salad. But I need a Miller Lite because it tastes great, less filling. (laughs) And and by the way, is is that bread, is is that gluten-free? I got to do gluten-free right now, okay? Why? Because I want to look fabulous for my bathing suit in the summer. Don't be a hater. Yeah. But um, so you got the alcoholism. I'm pretty sure if if he was that way with his kids, probably that way with his wife. True. With with Ruth. So that's the environment he's born into. Right. The only way that person can change. Is if they want to. If you truly want yeah. to change. See, and that's what I look at with my, the abuse I suffered is... My mom did what she could to buffer that. You know what I mean? She was always there. She was always supportive. She tried to make each of us children feel special. Okay. You know, so it was, I wasn't getting it from both ends, but she never enabled my behavior. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, there was one time when I got in trouble with some people and she helped me get out of it, but there were still consequences for me. Right. You know, so it's like. Yeah, she's never enabled my behavior. She's never said, oh, well, she wouldn't act this way if certain people didn't do this. She's like, no, own up to your shit. Uh, exactly. You know, so yeah. All right, you got anything else, Roy? No, I'm done. All right, remember that you can send us an email. You at, get it right this time? I am. At Brutal Nation. Ah, shit. <laughs> at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Yeah, because I said add it first. Send us an email at Brutal Nation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website, www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon link that we provide. It doesn't cost you anything. It helps out the show. Check out our blogs on Medium, Crime Beat, which is on Medium, Vocal Media, and Hub Pages. There you go. Ooh, almost lost that one. You almost did. It was did. a close one. This show's copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. I am fabulous, and we are out of here. Bye-bye. Bye.